The Way to Greatness, next on Abounding Grace. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, then you must be the servant of all. There's no other way to grow in Jesus. It was Jesus' style and example of ministry. It's always been and will always be. The way up is always down. The taking the lower place. We are all servants exercising the gifts that Jesus has given to us. And I'm constantly reminding myself, reminding the pastors here, the leaders, the staff, the volunteers, we are just servants. We're just servants. We just serve the Lord, nothing more. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You There is no debating the fact that in this world of ours, the majority would much rather be served than serve. That's often the case in the church, sad to say. Just look at the average church and their struggle to fill volunteer roles in the nursery, Sunday school teachers, sound ministry workers, and on and on it goes. We'll see how greatness is built on the foundation of servanthood today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor resumes his study of John. We'll meet up with him now in chapter 13. The model of leadership that God gives us in his scriptures is servant leadership. And if there's anyone that should model that the best on the planet Earth today, it should be the believer. It should be the Christian, the one that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Where you have your oversight and you take your responsibility, but you don't use it against the people. You use it for those that you're leading for the company that you work in. You see, Jesus had all the power, all the control, any of the titles, any of the authority you might think. And what does he do? He takes the lowest position. Nothing was beneath him. Nothing. Now, it's interesting to watch those that serve and those that don't serve. Because there's a distinction. Those that serve tend to be those that are secure in who they are. You know, where you take it into the context of the church, they're just secure in who they are. They know where they came from. They know where they're going. And they have this, this desire to give themselves to God. They just desire to serve. They're not looking for titles. They're not looking for accolades. They're not looking for the pats on the back. They're just looking to serve the Lord. They love him so much. They'll do anything and go anywhere for the name of Jesus. And really, we all started there as new believers. That's where we started. We were so excited. I can't believe I'm saved. I can't believe God has a future for my life. I can't believe that he would love me even in the world. God, I give you my life. And unfortunately for some, along the way, they lose that. Those that serve are secure in who they are. They're not concerned with being noticed. They're not concerned about whether something is beneath them or not. They just serve. But those who are insecure, well, you think about it in the context of work. You context of the people that you work with. You know, as a believer, you don't want to be known as the lazy one. And you don't want to be known as the complainer. And you don't want to be known as the one that just gives the bare minimum. Because that's not reflective of the servant heart of Jesus. That's just not his desire. And as a believer, you don't want to be, oh, well, you know, that's the lazy one. Oh, yeah, and he's the Christian. 
He's the one that wants to tell me about church, and, but he's the lazy one, or he's the one that's always complaining, or he's the one that always likes to hide and get out of work, and the one that's always on Facebook at work, or whatever it might be. That's not the servant leader at all. It's not reflective of what Jesus shows here. You know, the kind of person at work where you ask them to do something, and what do they say? That's not my job. Dude, I thought you worked here. It's not my job. I thought you got a paycheck. It's not my job. And you're like, oh, all right. And then you go take care of it. It's not your job either. But now you're just stepping into it to take care of it without any complaint. What does that sound like in the church? What does that sound like in the church? It's not, people aren't saying that's not my job. You know what they say in the church? They say, you know what? I'm not called to that. Oh, okay. Okay, you got a different kind of calling than the rest of us. I get it. And, you know, hey, can you just take out the trash? I'm not called to take out the trash. I've done my years of taking out the trash. Really? Really? I mean, that really is a a heart check in our lives where there are just things to be done. Taking out the trash, cleaning the toilets, cleaning the floors, you know, staying late, serving someone. Or, man, how careful we need to be, you know, where you're presented with a need and you just kind of overlook it. You know, you're, you, you see trash on the ground and automatically you think, I think there's people around here that picks up trash. I won't pick up trash. And you keep doing that until you step on a piece of gum with a piece of trash and you go, oh, I picked up the trash automatically. And you take it off your shoe and you throw it away and you're like, you're not in the mode. Because here, let me tell you, God trains us at the toilets and the trash cans. There's a training in those tasks, because if you're really good at those tasks, God is going to entrust you with people's lives. He's going to entrust you with people's lives. Because people's lives, when you're dealing with sin, are often related to toilets and trash cans. Because sin does some really bad things to people. And when you're sitting across a table from someone, whether it's their own sin or because of someone else's sin, you're dealing with ministry is dirty work. Getting into the lives of people, it's difficult. It's hard. It can even often be viewed as something, something that is just impossible. You need the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't learn it when you had the opportunity of some of the smaller things, you're not going to learn it automatically, immediately when they're sitting across from the desk from you. You, won't, you know, If you don't have an eye to pick up trash, you're not going to have an eye to see people that are dealing with something when they come to church. You're, not, you're just not going to pick up on it. Why? Because you don't have an eye for anything other than what you have an eye for. And if you haven't learned this element of, you know, I wonder, because somehow those 12 disciples, none of them at this point, they've been with Jesus for three years, and none of them at this point decided to wash each other's feet for whatever reason. I mean, they've been perfectly trained by their master, except they still have more to learn. And I found that those that are are lacking their servanthood, they seem to be very insecure and not realizing and remembering where they came from. They won't just do anything. They won't, they, they won't volunteer for things. They won't take care of things before they're asked. And it makes it very, very hard on those that are overseeing. Jesus took the position of the lowest house servant to wash these smelly, disgusting feet. You know your feet. They're worse than your feet. You're covered by a sock and a shoe. You pretty much wash your feet every day of the week. These guys, they didn't wash their feet every day. They weren't coming into people's houses. They were walking the dusty roads. I mean, if you've ever been a part of a foot washing ceremony, if you will, or a foot washing time, it's a very humbling thing. It's humbling for the person that has their feet being washed, and it's humbling for the person doing the foot washing. 
And that's why if we ever do have foot washing services here, we don't announce it ahead of time and give you a flyer. You know why? Because you're going to head to the mall to that beauty bath and that place that smells, and you are going to clean your feet before you come. You know, you're going to get the mani-pedi, ladies. I'm sure you, if you're doing one, you might as well do both. And you're going to get it all clean. And you go, well, well, let's go to the foot washing ceremony. But then when we come, your feet are pristine and clean. But that's not the point. The point isn't for you to have everything in order. The point is for you just to serve and be served. And how difficult it is in our lives when God is calling us to places of humility and we want to fix it all up and get it all in order instead of just surrendering and submitting to the situation that God is using in our lives. And there's no real mention here in the text of any of them, um, any of them really wanting to do this, really participating or even taking the lead. And it's at that point, isn't it, that our hearts are examined. As we look at our own lives, and as we fall into the trap of only doing the things we want to do, and only doing the things that might bring us some notoriety, or do some things that will, will... bring out some kind of attention in our lives when that's not from the Lord. You see, in God's church, it's not the corporate model. Our ministry isn't overseen in the corporate model. Our ministry is very simple. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we all serve him. That's it. It's very simple. You go, wait a minute, Pastor Ed, you're the pastor. You're you're right. I have a responsibility. I have a role in the church. You're right. I'm the pastor. Some might even refer to that as senior pastor or lead pastor. But really, all that means is that God is calling me to a higher level of service, not less. You don't work your way up and say, well, I paid my dues. No, no, there are no dues to pay. Jesus Christ shed his blood to pay for your life and your salvation. There are no, you don't get to the place where, you know, once I attain this level, I don't have to serve anymore. That's not the way of the master. That's not Jesus. Here is God in human flesh taking the lowest servant a week before his crucifixion. No, but rather the Bible teaches this, to whom much is given, much is required. And so the difference between you and I isn't in our servanthood and it isn't in God expecting us to be servants. Really, in the responsibility I have in this congregation, there is a responsibility. It's a greater responsibility, which then means that God requires more from me, not less. It's the same with you. You're not working your way into a servant so you can get out of. You know, one of the key principles in our church, if you listen to the Bible study that I did a couple uh, years ago on what is Calvary, just the, what is the philosophy of ministry that we, the biblical philosophy of ministry that we hold to here, one of the points that I will share with you is the point that we must be the servant of all. That that's key in our lives. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, then you must be the servant of all. There's no other way to grow in Jesus. It was Jesus' style and example of ministry. It's always been and will always be. The way up is always down. The taking the lower place We are all servants exercising the gifts that Jesus has given to us. And I'm constantly reminding myself, reminding the pastors here, the leaders, the staff, the volunteers, we are just servants. We're just servants. We just serve the Lord, nothing more. And I don't know a leader here or a staff person, to my knowledge, that isn't willing to clean the toilets and does, that isn't willing to clean the windows or straighten the chairs or take out the trash or, or to do the two o'clock in the morning hospital visit or whatever it might be because our lives are dedicated to serving the Lord and we can only grow in service. Otherwise, we become very prideful. 
if you step into Christian service and ministry to gain attention, to gain you know, the accolades and the appreciation, the pats on the back, you will be sorely disappointed as your pride is puffed up. We serve the Lord. And oftentimes we serve in, in ways that nobody knows. So many of you have ministries and your prayer warriors that nobody knows. And if you're not careful, the enemy will come along and go, nobody knows you pray. Nobody knows. There you are. You take the trash out every week, but you get here so early, nobody sees you. You know, you just go in the parking lot, you take care of everything, nobody sees you. Picking up all the cigarette butts around there and, and all the, the beer bottles and stuff that gets thrown in our parking lot throughout when we're not here. And, and, and you just go through, you get here before anybody, but one day you show up and go, I wish somebody could see me. And then you pick it up, here's another cigarette butt, and here's another bottle. And before you know it, man, what you intended to just give unto the Lord has got a, heart, a part of your heart and pride is starting to well up. Let me give you two more scriptures. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. How careful we need to be. You know, pride goes two ways. Because I don't believe the Bible is against appreciation. I personally love uh, to give appreciation. I love to write notes and I love to see things and go, man, thank you very much. And many of you have expressed appreciation to various pastors and even to me where you'll come up and go, you know, thank you, Pastor Ed, or you might send a note and say thank you. Now, now you need to be careful when somebody comes to express appreciation because you don't want to go, well, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was, no, no, that's not true. It was you. God did use you. And so what you need to learn, and, and what I've learned over the years is just very simply to say, you know what, you're welcome. I'm just really glad the Lord saved me. I'm glad that God can use me. But let me tell you something. It's all the glory goes to him. We're just, and then I try to turn it around and go, we are, I'm not trying to dismiss it. I mean, I'm so grateful. If you knew me before I was saved, you wouldn't thank me, except when I was leaving your presence. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. So to me, when I, when I receive that kind of appreciation or the Lord just reminds me that I get to be used, I mean, that, that's something special. I don't deserve it. Uh, my life is, you know, my, my, I don't deserve it. But man, I so appreciate the Lord that he would choose to use me. So you got to be careful because pride goes both ways. Well, you know, it wasn't me. No, it was you. You did do something. You tried to do it anonymous, but you got caught. And then they say, oh, thanks. And you go, you know, I just, the Lord put me on your heart, put you on my heart. I just wanted to serve you in Jesus' name. So let's give him the glory. And then you pray together. So you got to be careful because then you can do this false sense of humility, which is pride, or you can be puffed up too much when all you need to do is serve and give God all the glory. That's it. Just serve, give him all the glory, let it be repeated over and over again. And that's what Jesus does. Notice in Philippians chapter 2, you guys are all there before me. Notice verse 12 with me. Or excuse me, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is in, also in Christ Jesus. Okay, what mind? who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Church, let this mind be in you. Turn over to Luke chapter 17 now. Luke chapter 17, because when you set out to serve and clean and wash feet... You, you want to do it in a way that honors God. You know, a couple years ago when Marie and I were really in the deep, dark days of our grief and mourning, we were able to get away for a few days to Georgia for a unique pastor and wife getaway with Pastor Sandy Adams. 
And it was a great time. It was really good to, to start to reconnect again and, and another step in our grief and moving forward of what God is doing in our lives. And Sandy, he was sneaky because one day he surprised us and he brought these tubs in uh, for us to wash our wives' feet. And I have to say, it was a very powerful moment in our lives. I don't know how the other couples took it, but it was a very powerful moment in our lives as the Holy Spirit was reminding me in my own issues and the things that were going on in my mind that my responsibility is to serve my wife, to love her and take care of her in a very real way, as humbling as it was for me and very humbling for Marie to have her feet washed by her husband. The Holy Spirit used that to remind me and to remind her of our roles and what God is doing in our lives. It's a very powerful thing, serving and doing and being the men and women that God wants us to be. You know, for those that are married, you have the context of being tested on this all the time. I think of my relationship with Marie. We've been together for over 30 years, married for 26 of those years. And, and I know my wife. You know, we read that book, Love Languages, many, many years ago. And, and I know what mine is. It's very clear. I love to give. I love to give. When I'm shopping and I'm out, I'm always thinking of people. And I just love to give. It's just very easy, natural. I love that. But Marie's love language is not receiving gifts. And so I look back and I go, man, I wasted all that money. No, I didn't really. Not at all. Her love language is simple. I know it. I've known it for years. She receives love by acts of service. So if I would just mop the floor for her without being asked, and that's like a grand slam in her. She loves that. So what do I do? I buy her a gift. <laughs> I have to learn. I have to keep learning. And I, I, even in this Bible study, I'm just thinking, oh, Lord. It's just confession time. I wasn't as helpful in the cleaning of our house as I could have been. And that would have got me a long way with my wife. Servanthood. None of us have this all together. We need the work of the Spirit in our lives. We need agape to flow through us. And when we serve, we don't serve to receive anything. We do it because it's the right thing to do. Notice with me Luke chapter 17 in verse 7. Luke 17, verse 7. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you'll eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all the things which you are commanded, say, we're unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. Don't look for special recognition. Just serve the Lord. Be in a place where your heart is in tune with the Spirit of God and serve. You'll be blessed, as we'll see in a moment. Back in John 13 as we wind down here. You know, when we're doing a Bible study like this, this, these, are, this is, these are heart-revealing Bible studies. Whether you're here among us, you're on the radio, like these are, this, God reveals your heart. You could put your earbuds in and listen to a podcast and the Holy Spirit is going to help you understand the need for servanthood. God has given you all these gifts and talents. He's, he's let your company, you know, invest thousands of dollars in your training for the sake of the kingdom of God. So you might use things for the glory of God in every situation. And so notice Peter now in verse 6. 
He came to Simon Peter. So he's working his way around the room. He comes to Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? (laughs) Whenever you come to Peter, you just have to go, oh, Lord, thank you for recording Peter's life. He's so much like us, or we're so much like him. And Peter, he often gets a bad rap for speaking up. But you know what? Peter often said what was on everybody's mind. He was just the one that had the bravery and the courage enough to speak it. And he comes, and I think that this is a sense like, you're God and I'm not. You're not washing my feet. And and so Jesus answers him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you will know after this. You don't understand. I'm giving you an example. It's going to come back and help you, but right now you don't. Now, if you don't already, in verse 7, I have this highlighted and circled in my Bible. Because while this statement is made to Peter directly about the washing of feet, I also believe the application of this statement is very powerful. Because there's often times in our lives when we're going through something that we don't understand now, but we will. I mean, it could be you right now. I mean, you don't understand. You're crying out to the Lord in prayer, and, and you hear heaven saying, you don't understand now, but you will. You will after this. And I just let, let, let that sink into your hearts today that God is in control. And I know you don't understand. That's normal. And I know the situation is perplexing and painful and hard, and yet you don't understand now, but hold on to this. You will know after this. And that was given to Peter, and I believe it was given to us. Verse 8. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Well, good job, Peter, bossing God around. And Jesus answered, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. I mean, give me a shower. If that's what it means to be connected with you, then I'm willing. Wash my feet, but just cleanse me completely. Peter's totally in the physical realm right now. And one of the things I love about Jesus and one of the things that I really try to apply in my life is to take the practical things of life and bring them into the spiritual. And that's what he's going to do masterfully. Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. You'll find us on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. It's there you can replay any program you enjoy. Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, we've been learning what it means to be a servant, and we have a ministry conference coming up that will really help anyone listening right now develop this heart of a servant. Can you talk for a minute about Refresh? Yes, this is the one of the highlights. I was about to say the highlight, but really it's one of the highlights of the year for us where we put on this conference we call Refresh, and that's the essence of it. We want, to, we want you to come and be refreshed, growing in grace. So whether you're a pastor, elder, a pastor's wife, a servant, Sunday school, you're thinking about serving, it's really the conference that's not a conference uh, that is a time. I mean, we're going to have Bible study. We're going to have worship. It's amazing. It's hard to describe because it's just one of those things. Every year it's a little different. Really great emphasis on fellowship, getting to know one another, of course, the In-N-Out truck will be here again. Uh, we have a, we've added a day this year uh, to bless you and encourage you. The dates are October 6, 7, and 8. Uh, we've got guests coming out. Go to calvaryco.church slash refresh. And it's super hard. So I'm sorry if I, I'm not fully explaining it because it's super hard. Uh, all I can say is you got to be here. You got to experience it. Um, We keep it very inexpensive. We highly subsidize it. 
We got gifts. We got games. We got the word. We have fellowship. We're being in special worship. On and on it goes. It is a highlight, and you're invited to refresh. Calvaryco.church slash refresh. If you'd like more information or to register for the Refresh Conference, stop by calvaryco.church. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio and internet. Again, go to aboundinggraceradio.com. Today, we want to suggest a book that can help take your prayer life up to the next level. It's E.M. Bounds on Prayer. These reflections on prayer have been treasured for well over a hundred years. When you read about the powerful ways God works through prayer, you'll understand why this book has been so well-received. We'll send you a copy of E.M. Bounds on Prayer as our thank you for your donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you next time. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.